Welcome to Dragon Talk, everyone. Dragon Talk is fun. It is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I am Greg Tito. I am Shelly Mazanoble. And we are here to talk about D&D. Yeah. And how you can bring perhaps the sense. We, 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 we use visual uh, media. We use tactile things. Uh, sometimes even sound with sirenscape or yes. music in the background. We don't use a lot of scents uh, and smells in our D&D games. And we're talking to Christoph Vischer from Cantrip Candles, who has made it his business to do really? that, to uh, include uh, scented candles that are themed for fantasy locations that you can use around the table or just to make sure your house smells uh, like delicious and or uh, evocative or a dungeon. things. Or a dungeon. Yeah, or a a musty library, uh, or a seascape, or a bakery, all these amazing things. And uh, he's got a great story of uh, taking an idea and turning it into a small business, and it's pretty awesome. So yeah, look forward to that interview coming up soon. But I'm burying the lead here because we have announced a brand new Dungeons & Dragons book, Van Richten's, you have to trill the R, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Yes. Yay, Ravenloft. I love Ravenloft. Well, you're going to love this, audience member. (laughs) Those were two different people. I could totally tell. I've got new voices. You got new voices. Yeah. Uh, That is right. It is all about different flavors of horror beyond the... Ravenloft area known as Barovia, which uh, many of you may remember from Curse of Strahd, which we put out in 2016. This is an update to Barovia, giving more details, but also all of these new uh, domains of dread, some of which are terrifying, such as uh, zombie apocalypse, macabre fairy tale, creepy dolls, uh, you know, Valachan, which is all about the jungles and the rainforests and being hunted by a malevolent force. Each one of these domains have a dark lord that is the focal point of them. And then they're all connected by the mists uh, and the uh, different denizens of those mists. Um, so it's a huge book, lots of settings, lots of uh, stuff that you can use to inject more horror into your fantasy uh, TRPG games. And it is made with love, right, Shelley? Is it, though? Actually, it is made with love because Wes Schneider really loves horror. He was the lead designer on this. And I am so excited to talk to him uh, on upcoming episodes of Dragon Talk because he's he's just very delightful to talk to, especially when he's talking about really terrible, scary Horrible things. Yeah. He's got a very succinct way of uh, describing terror, terrible things. Uh, very, very matter of fact. Just and it makes kind of it even it. more scary, right? It does. It does. And he was he was steeped very, very deeply and for a long time in this world. And I'm just worried about him. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he comes out of that uh, fresh and, and new and burn some sage or I don't know, whatever you have to do. Burn to some cantrip cleanse candles. the palate. Burn yeah. some cantrip candles. Take a walk in the woods with a beautiful cantrip 
candle there. Um, That's exciting. It's May 18th. There's a uh, standard cover as well as an alternate cover um, coming to game stores only. You can pre-order it now. It has... Tons of new monsters, uh, you know, new things. And some things. old favorites, too. And, yes, right. Old, old monsters. Uh, updating of some of the domains of dread you might have seen from previous publications from Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, getting it all into one book was tough, but they made it work. And there is an adventure, which will yeah. take uh, players uh, from, you know, level one to level three. And it is jam-packed of stuff that you can use to create your own domains Lots of, of dread. Lots of tools and advice on how to how to create your own, you know, flavor of horror uh, using the pieces in the book. So great stuff all around. Yes. Lots of good stuff for players too. You get some new subclasses, some new backgrounds, lineages, dark gifts. I know. I want to know more about these dark gifts. Uh, I am so I'm I will find my way into this a campaign here. Somebody's yeah. going to DM this for me. And I'm going to create a character that is just taking advantage of all of the terrible things. Like, I want those dark gifts. I don't care if there's strings attached. Give it now, to me. I might even play a warlock. Do you pronounce it uh, dark gifts or dark gifs? <laughs> <laughs> Dark, crunchy gifs, peanut butter. It's so good in your mouth. Yeah, so we'll be having a lot more information about that uh, in the months to come. In the meantime, we're gearing up for the release of Candlekeep Mysteries. I can't believe that's hot on its tails. It's March 16th. There's two covers for that as well. uh, And that is uh, perfect for for burning a library-themed candle. Uh, which yep. I believe is called the Old Scriptorium. I think that's what uh, the cantrip mm-hmm. candle flavor is all about. Just the coolest name. But there's 17 small, short adventures that you can run, all centered around uh, books you might find in the Library Fortress of Candlekeep. They all are mysteries that you have to solve and written by some amazing D&D designers and authors, uh, some who are veterans and some who are new to designing adventures under uh, the tutelage of Chris Perkins. And we're really excited about uh, all that. And some previews will be dropping in the weeks to come for some of those adventures. Yes. Yes, I'm excited to explore some mysteries. I just think that'll be fun to be playing. Yeah, me too. We will eat some Scooby snacks and try to discover who's behind the mask. But that is March 16th, as I said, and uh, you've got a wealth of Dungeons & Dragons uh, materials to look forward to with this and Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft uh, yes. coming in the months to come. So exciting. Very exciting. Speaking of exciting, I am over the moon at the fact that I get to roll up random characters with Brandy Camel. Uh, so let's listen to another segment of a random character generator, shall we? We shall. Welcome everyone to another random character generator. This is the segment where we 
Make a Random Character Together. I'm Greg Tito and Brandy Camel. Hi, how are you? I'm doing lovely. How are you, Greg? Very excited uh, to jump in and press the random character Botan. Uh, yes. As everyone should know, we uh, do this and uh, try to come up with a character background story around uh, what the generator puts out. It's a nice little fun app. Oh my goodness, I don't even know how to pronounce this name. Wow. Uh, I'll give Yal- it a try. Yalnil? Yalnil. 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 The lineage here is Swiftstride. Swiftstride. And I don't know oh. what that is. I, neither do I. That one's new to me. <laughs> is that, I feel like it might be a... Uh, oh, it's a type um, of shifter? A type of shifter, right? Yep, it's a type of shifter. Uh, which means it might be from a campaign. What is the beast with that? I'm so. Where is this from? This. Who made I know. this? This one's new to me. <laughs> uh, the beast within. Eberron. This is Eberron. This is Eberron. Oh, this makes total sense now. I was like, it's got to be a shifter. Yep. Um. All right, so this is a swift stride. So that means they're predatory and feline. Uh, okay. But a swift stride could also be a cunning rat who darts through the shadows, okay? Uh, right. And blood hunter is the ra- uh, class. Okay. Gotcha, that's really interesting. So we've got kind of a mishmash of, of Eberron and uh, Exandria going on here. Yeah. Um Decent stats. Uh, I, I'm not sure what is best for the Blood Hunter, but having a high dex is always a good thing. Uh, I believe Constitution's one of the things they want because a lot of the abilities that they use, they tend to sacrifice hit points for. So a good con is definitely a pro here. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so with a plus two modifier to con, uh, pretty good intelligence with a plus two. An- another low wisdom character with a negative two. Yep. Um, but decent charisma. Uh, so it looks like their dump stat was wisdom. <laughs> yeah, dump stat was wisdom. Overall, though, like actually a really high stat spread across the board. So it really is. Yeah, better better than the standard array for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, skills trained uh, acrobatics with a plus five. That's pretty good. Okay. They know Arcana. All right. Well educated in the arcane. Trained in insight, but. With the negative two modifier there, they're just up to zero. Yep, comes a wash. And they know about religion as well as how to survive, although that also is uh, mm-hmm. a, a zero there with a trained survival skill. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so there's a couple of skills that I think that they've they've tried to overcome with training, right? Like it's things they're not naturally good at, but have spent some time learning to be better at. Absolutely. Um, and Crimson Rite looks like that's from the Blood Hunter. Yes, yep. And shifting, of course. So, I mean, I guess the first question we should ask is, what do they shift into? Is it, and is it always the same creature? That's a great question. Um, I know that with Swift Strides, they're, they're quick, they're graceful. Uh, I'm sure that's where, you know, that that kind of bump in dexterity comes from. Um, and 
I don't know. What's a, what's a fun, quick, graceful creature. Um, I, I feel like, you know, cats and rats are pretty, pretty um, sort of the, the stereotype that you jump to, but are there any other kind of like quick, graceful creatures that you would consider for this? Maybe like a, like a cheetah or a, a, a gazelle. Ooh, I like the gazelle idea. That's interesting. Right? And especially with the trained acrobatics, like they're able to mm-hmm. to kind of hop quickly. Yeah, let's run with that. I like that idea. That's really cool. All right. Um, might not gel with the, 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 the blood hunter, you know, because usually you assume that's a, uh, a predator. Um, yeah. But maybe that's, that's, that's the interesting hook in this character is that they're, they're mm-hmm. a prey species or they shift into a prey species, but when they shift into uh, a more humanoid form, that's where their, their animalistic tendencies come out and, and want to attack. You could almost play with some horror tropes in that regard, right? Like the, uh, the sort of hidden prey with, with, a, with a deadly undertone. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit more because the being trained in a religion... Mm-hmm. Uh, means that they understand the divine as well as 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 well uh, as the arcane, right? Um, so, are they a god fearing character? Uh, Hialniel? Are they? Uh, you know, <laughs> do they follow a specific blood god, and maybe that's where they get some of these uh, abilities from? Um, since this is a co- combination of both Eberron and uh, Exandria, I think this is very firmly a, fir- uh, a homebrew character. <laughs> Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I could see this being somebody who's just decided to take the Blood Hunter class and, and kind of mesh it into the Eberron world. Um, I think that's probably where I'd be leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll admit, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage because I don't know Eberron as well. So, Right, me neither. Um, but I like the idea of being able to take uh, you know, things from two different sources and create a character that would, that would you know, do well in any uh, prime material plane. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. All right. So maybe they. Uh, so what do you think about the religion? Do you think they just know about religion, or do you think that they are uh, a devotee of of a specific um, uh, deity? And need, we don't need to choose that deity. We just need to know that they follow somebody. I mean, I kind of like the idea. So this is. I'm going to go on an adventure here. Once <laughs> we're, we're we're going with so, you. We're going okay. So um, you know, a lot of the things that would kind of tend tend to come up. You know, blood hunters have this theme of, around like self sacrifice and you know giving giving something of themselves to do something. Um, and we've kind of picked you know a, a prey style character to lean this off of, which are very commonly the type of creatures used in sacrifices. So maybe this is someone who's embraced that idea of I am the sacrifice, but I own it. Like, you know, this is, I'm not just sacrificing, like it could be I'm sacrificing myself to a God to do their bidding. Mm. That could, that could be kind of cool. Um, Literally the, the giving a bit of themselves to fuel this. I like that. Um, Here's another interesting wrinkle uh which we might now struggle to figure out how, to, how <laughs> it works in there but their background uh is acolyte uh and more specifically the acolyte around Baldur's gate um and they went well, to a religious community, community. uh so i mean there's one religious community that comes to mind when you discuss uh Baldur's gate uh mm-hmm. which is the dead three uh mm-hmm. and they're not good 
tendencies. <laughs> um, does Hyal yeah. Nil, you know, follow one of those gods, perhaps, or 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 is a part of? Yeah, you know, again, we doesn't have to necessarily be set in Baldur's Gate, but having that kind of you know a, a city like that in which um, uh, the lawlessness rules and the only authority is might makes right or mm-hmm. one of these deities. Yeah, I could definitely see this being, this is a nefarious character. I could see that working for sure. Yeah, me too. This could almost be, oh, this would be somebody who would be really great to put as like the leader of a cult. Mm. Right? Because this is this is someone who's like, no, you need to aspire to the level of devotion that I have. This is, you know, my my sacrifice fuels these powers. Ah, so... Okay, so 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 let me get to get the the kind of shifting and the sacrificing that you're going with here. Are you saying that they uh, use their shifting ability to lure other gazelle-like creatures into the mist to be sacrificed, or are they actually sacrificing their own blood? I think it's a little bit of both. I think like I could see it being where they are leveraging their their capabilities and abilities as a blood hunter to prove a point, so to speak, or to, mm. to show this is the way of of these things, um, and encouraging people to to do the wrong thing because well, if I'm doing it, well, then obviously you should do it. You know, you can give so much more. Uh, you can aspire to this. Yeah. Okay. This is a, you know, there's certainly ways to turn this into a heroic character that you might want to play. Uh, oh, for sure. In a campaign, maybe perhaps even, you know, one that tends a little bit more evil or, you know, neutral to evil. Um, but I'm really seeing this as a as an adversary or an NPC uh, mm-hmm. that uh, a party can meet as well. Yeah, I think it leans that way. But I could also see this as being someone who is devoted to the idea of self-sacrifice in the stead of others. Mm. Um, especially if you kind of dig into like the uh, Forgotten Realms deities with like uh, Ilmater, who is entirely based around that idea of self-sacrifice, self-suffering taken on for the for the sake of others. I like that. Yeah, and there's so many of these the blood maledict and blood curse of exposure mm-hmm. um, that could be used to uh, advantage in battle uh, mm-hmm. very easily by. By, by sacrificing what they're what they're doing, um, you know, uh, their their own hit points, as you were saying. Yeah. They have alchemist supplies, uh, which is a part of the blood hunter thing. How does that mm-hmm. play in? Do you think that they're they actively use that? I think it's the kind of thing that they need to have poultices and bandages and things like that to tend to their self wounds. Mm. Um, I think that that's kind of necessary as a as a part of the way that the class functions. Um, but I could, you know, just as much see it as as being built in um, to the idea of building things that dull the pain or um, or maybe, you know, crafting incense for their more nefarious, you know, religious ceremonies or things like that. I, I am picking up what you're putting down there and I'm going more deeper into the Blood Hunter uh, features and traits here. Uh, mm-hmm. They've chosen the Order of the Ghost Slayer. Oh, interesting. Right, as well as a uh, fighting style of dueling. Uh, so it's a, uh, uh, you know, a, a sword fighter or a, you know, a rapier wielding, um, 
gazelle. (laughs) 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 You have to fight. I love it. I love it. Uh, What do you know about the Order of the Ghost Slayer? Uh, Let me look that up and see if I can get more details. That I don't know as much about. Um, I mean, I can make, you know, some assumptions based on names, but I think uh, having a little bit more context is helpful here. It is one of the oldest of the orders. Okay. Uh, they get it at third, so they just uh, turn into it. Um, mm-hmm. The right damage is radiant, uh, okay. which is throws a little bit of a wrench into them being uh, um, uh, on the more evil side of things, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, radiant is kind of like thematically associated with good, but it's also thematically associated with the divine, so. Right. Maybe that's just their, uh, how it manifests. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a specialization with the blood maledict feature, which just mean, basically just means that their blood curses can uh, target any creature, whether Ooh. it has blood or not. Okay. Uh, maybe that's due to them Probably. having to slay ghosts. Yeah. Kind of necessary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nil. Uh, is a I, 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 I don't have a leaning one way or the other of uh, what gender they might uh, identify as. What do you what do you think? Yeah, um, that's a tough one. Um, I'm kind of I am sort of imagining like a more um, graceful feminine form, but not necessarily female. Like mm. you know, maybe this is somebody who uh, is gender neutral or non-binary. Um, I think that actually kind of fits really well. Yeah. Maybe like a, um, uh, like a, I don't know, I'm, I'm having the image of um, like a David Bowie or a, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, a Goblin King from Labyrinth type of thing where, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though that, that could be very masculine, but you know, that, that uh, type of charisma uh that uh, you know, that not femme fatale, but um, I don't know. What's the, what's the uh, word for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know the direction you're going in. It's very ephemeral. It's very, very fae-like. Yeah, uh, which tends to be very gender neutral, to be honest. That is true. Um, all right, so Hial Nil uh, is you know more of a gender neutral character. Um, where did they? Like, I, I just want to create a little bit of a history over backstory. Like, where did they learn this blood hunter uh, side of things? Oh, I feel like uh, we've really tied into the into the divine here with this character. So maybe this is like a divine epiphany. Oh. So yeah. maybe that's where their training comes from. Comes from their spirituality. Comes from you know either embracing meditation or dreams or things like that. And these these learnings come from that. Hmm. That's cool. Here's a, I just have this one, I have to picture this. Um, okay. What if they were a shifter, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from birth, and so they, they, they had that ability, but they were captured or perhaps uh, intended to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this epiphany occurred on the altar, essentially. Like they were, oh, they were about cool. to be killed, um, mm-hmm. but something shifted and they all of a sudden became the most powerful being in the room. 
Man, I have this amazing visual moment that just happened for me where I I see them reaching up and grabbing the sacrificial dagger with their hand Mm -hmm. and fueling that that cut, that blood there for their first use of Blood Hunter ability. That is such a cool, strong visual to run with. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, and then and then from then on, they became the leader of that cult. Uh, They Mm -hmm. were uh, the one that was calling the shots. Uh, maybe they even, you know, this could be a little bit more evil, but maybe they even took out the the, the previous leader during mm-hmm. that moment. Uh, you know, because I can see that like almost oh, that blood hunter like type thing, and then yep. turning the the knife on on the one that was uh, uh, pointing it towards them. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I th- think the last thing we need is a little bit more visual and. Uh, you know, characterization thing. So what, what do you think they appear like? So I'm imagining, um, you know, we kind of ran with this gazelle theme. I'm imagining kind of like a tawny brownish blonde, dirty blonde hair, um, maybe maybe reaching down to shoulder, a little bit flowy. I could see that or close cropped cut. What do you think? Uh, I, I think both. Uh, you know, yeah. like I think they 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 shift. Uh, oh, so, yeah, right, fair enough. <laughs> when um, when it suits them, uh, they can have longer hair, and uh, well, maybe when they're you know they're more um, feminine presenting, and then when they're when they're more masculine presenting, they can they can do the short crop very easily. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, and then uh, appearance, uh, you know, other than coloring, what do you think of? Uh, you know, you mentioned slender and 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 kind of. I don't know, tall and thin, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. when they're in humanoid form to match the the gazelle-like thing. What about, um, uh, you know, eyes? Are they close together? Big nose? What, what do you think? I think they've got a. They they have to have kind of like the long, slender nose to kind of draw out that that idea of a gazelle, while it's still you know mostly a human facial feature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could definitely see that. Um, maybe this is definitely somebody with a lot of scars on their body. Um, from from all the, you know, both the experiences that they've been through as well as from being a practicing blood hunter. Yeah. Um, so maybe they maybe they've got scars on their face. Maybe they have scars on their neck. Um, that's that's an interesting visual. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about costume uh, general demeanor? Well, I, I I did pick up on this uh, in the description of Swift Striders. They tend to be aloof or, or difficult to pin down physically or socially. And uh, this idea of someone who is, you know, I, I am imagining someone who's very tall and intimidating in that way. Mm. And uh, and yeah, probably very much feels like the one in charge has that that enig- enigmatic uh, charisma, as you were describing earlier, um, where where people are drawn to them or drawn to follow them but not necessarily to question or try to get to know them. Mm, okay. I like that. I'm, 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 this character just got a little bit closer to uh, Hela from Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. Especially with the horns, I guess. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. <laughs> that just kind of came in naturally, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. I like that. Even though I don't think gazelles have big horns, but anyway, it's that, that type of uh, um, uh, imagery. Mm-hmm. I, I mean... I would I would follow anybody who's got a headdress that looks that has that big <laughs> pointy thing. <laughs> it's very intimidating. It's it hard is to very hard. intimidating. <laughs> nice. All right, and then so they're aloof uh, and uh, don't necessarily give you the time of day unless you can do something to further their goals. Yeah. 
Uh, that makes sense. Uh, what? How? How would you portray them uh, around the table? What? What? Uh, would you give it Brandy's voice, or would you give it? Uh, oh God, uh, no, not my voice. Uh, <laughs> uh, I do think that you need. You know, you have to. You do have to have that sense of of commanding presence. Uh, there is very much. I am the one who is in charge in the room here, and we are going to follow my plan. So that you know, you need that kind of even keel. That, uh, but like, there's. I hate to call it. It's sultry underneath, but it's it's not about being like uh, sexual. It's more just about being refined. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Great. Well, I think I think we're ready for summary here. And you, any other ideas or things you wanted to throw out? Oh no, I think I think we've got uh, I think we've got a really solid visual to this character and and just kind of idea of their whole story. Yeah. Okay. So Hyal Nil is a uh, shifter uh, that goes towards the swift gazelle like uh, imagery. Um, they were captured uh, at a at a relatively early age uh, and was set to be sacrificed in a city uh, not unlike Baldur's Gate but I don't think it's you know the canon Baldur's Gate um, but that has a lot of um, evil slash cult-like uh, communities and uh, they were being sacrificed and had a epiphany moment connection with uh, some divine deity that as the knife was going down uh, for them to be uh, killed in front of a congregation um, that he all stopped the sacrifice, grabbed the knife, perhaps did sacrifice some of their own blood uh, and turned on the cult leader and from thenceforth became the leader of that faction. Uh, mm-hmm. And due to that, they have a very um, aloof and calm slash powerful demeanor um, that allows them to use their skills as a blood hunter uh, to combat all types of creatures. Uh, but, um, you know, the sacrifice there is their own uh, blood. And so there is lots of scarring involved with that, as well as um, a, um, I guess, ability to to convince others to 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 bend to her will just by her or their strength of of charisma. Um, they are don't necessarily identify as one uh, gender or another, and may use their shifting ability to appear as such, uh, as well as being able to shift into a gazelle to perhaps get to distances farther, and also use that in battle. And in general, they're, I guess, what, what are they dressed like? What is their, what is their uh, when they choose to wear clothes, what, what do they look like? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> you got that image of, of uh, uh, from Thor Ragnarok in my head Hell now, yeah. or from Thor in, in my head now. And um, I, I just, I got to put them in like the long, thin trench coat style of, of presentation. <laughs> I, I mean that that's that's where I'm at too. And uh gosh darn it if they don't uh put on some type of headdress uh <laughs> when they're when they're doing um ceremonies. Official, official cultly duties. <laughs> exactly. Uh it definitely has some kind of a horned uh, animalistic uh feel to it. Uh, and perhaps there's even blood stains on it uh as they uh maybe even use that during sacrifice. Who knows? Uh, so yeah, this character, uh, Hialnil, definitely trends towards more of an adversary or uh, evil NPC that you can use in your game. But 
I know there's a lot of folks who would love to play a character like this as well uh, in, a, in a heroic sense um, as, uh, or at least a protagonist sense, maybe not a hero, but a protagonist. Uh, so yeah, that's Hyalneal. Very exciting. I love coming together. This one had a little bit more of a story that I think we needed to, to workshop on. And then I, I love where we landed up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, really, it speaks to the ability that you can make any of the things that this tosses your way work. Uh, you just have to do a little bit of a brain exercise to get there sometimes. And thanks for for doing that with me, Brandy. Always fun. Uh, your insights are uh, almost as good as Hyal Nils. <laughs> Thank you so much, Greg. Oh, wait, that's not... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a zero, but no, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll go with the intelligence. There you go. That's probably accurate for me. Awesome. Well, honest. we'll leave this link in the show notes uh, and feel free to use Yalnil in your games. I'd love to hear about um, it showing up uh, or them showing up, uh, not it, uh, but the, the character itself showing up. And uh, this is always fun. So thanks, everybody. That has been Random Character Hope you all enjoyed learning about Hyalnil as much as we did in the moment of creating them. What a fun and creative way to kind of... We didn't really get to the the nut of that story until quite at the end. And so uh, it was really nice to see the progression of uh, me and Brandy creating together. Very, very nice. Very fun. Um, Fun activity. By the way, you can check out that character uh, on D&D Beyond and use them in your game. Uh, and uh, give me a shout-out or uh, Brandy a shout-out uh, if you use them as an NPC or uh, you know adapt them for your own use. It's always fun to hear of these characters that we generate out in the wild. Speaking of things being out in the wild, I'm very excited to learn about candle-making and how you can use it in your game and the story of creating your own small business like I've tried to do with many of my D&D campaigns. So let's give a listen and call up Christoph and uh, talk through it. Everyone, let's welcome Christoph Fisher to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Woohoo! Thanks for having me. So exciting. Uh, I feel like I've been following the story of Cantrip Candles forever on Twitter. Uh, it's so awesome. The amount of, you know, uh, 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 candles and scents that you're able to create and to create that immersion at the table is such a cool idea. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been quite the story. It's an, it, I, I'm enjoying the story so far. I hope it continues to be a good one. Right, I'm yeah, sure because you will. just reached a milestone, I think, yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. We officially opened our first storefront. And I say first because I have plans. But for now, uh, we have a Hollywood storefront, which is very exciting because I've been making them out of my apartment for years. And now it's time to go big. That's that awesome. Is, that's huge. Congratulations. Thank you. We should have had champagne. Oh, there's so many things we should have had. I should have had a bigger <laughs> ribbon. But COVID makes it kind of... You got to tone it down a little bit, which which is okay. It's 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 nice to have an, a soft open in this atmosphere. That, I guess that is true. It must be strange to open a store where you want people to come and gather in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly. But, exactly. But you're making it happen. We're used yeah. to well, it. Uh, the world's used to it. And we're kind of adjusting. 
I like that uh, you've got plans. Now I'm, I immediately thought of there being like a cantrip candle store in every mall in America. <laughs> yeah. Just like another Move candle over. company. All four malls Yankee that candles. still exist. <laughs> <All four. laughs> well, that'll make your grand opening plans easier. There you it is. Do it four more times. I just dated myself as a Gen Xer who loved malls. I still love malls. Oh. They just, there's not so many anymore. Yeah. It's true, yeah. Oh, Even the ones that I, I haunted uh, back in Connecticut, <laughs> I think they're all closing down. I keep getting like you know notifications being mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah. place you spent all of your life, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Demolished. Um, but yeah. it's exciting because uh, you know the whole idea behind uh, Cantrip Candles is all about um, having these scents that, you know, we talk about how... Uh, visuals and artifacts like miniatures can enhance your D and D game, but we don't mm-hmm. talk about that other sense of smell. Um, and you're you're trying to bring that to more tables, right? Yeah, I I mean we we already know about the connection, or many of us know about the connection between memory and scent. And so playing D and D or playing any tabletop game is so mind heavy. You're basically trying to put yourself in that scenario. So I, I find that scents kind of really help up the ante and and it allows you to immerse yourself a lot quicker. I always say that it takes about 20 minutes average for a table to get on the same page about like, okay, we're in this castle or we're in this city or whatever it need be. But I can probably get that down to 15 if you light a cantrip candle. No, I'm kidding. That's Ooh, a terrible like plug, it. but it's kind of true. <laughs> I need that because I'm always that person that's like, no, wait, where are we? Exactly. Again? It takes a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. What does it smell like again? <laughs> <laughs> I could really get there quicker if you could just tell me what the smell exactly. is like. Yeah. So I think you need to take us back, though, okay. and tell us the story. Like, how how did you get here? How did this all start? Whew. Many moons ago, about uh, 20, <laughs> 2016, I was feeling a lot of, I was pursuing acting in L.A., and I was feeling... I was feeling the feel of when you pursue acting in LA where you kind of come to this realization that you're like, okay, I can stay on this journey, but do I want to? And I decided I don't want to, but should I? Yeah, I didn't want to. And I wanted something that still allowed me to have control over my time. I didn't like working for other people. And so it's like, what can we do? Uh, I have a chemistry background a little bit. I didn't get a degree in it, but I love science and that kind of stuff. And so I thought, how do you make a candle? I don't have an origin story for where that question came from. I just wanted to see how to make a candle. And it started small with like, okay, can we make a forest candle? And it was out of my kitchen. And then I kind of grew and some friends started buying some. So then it became my old bedroom. And then we kind of grew out of that and it became half of the house. And then it became, okay, Five years later, I definitely can't keep getting all of this in my own house. It's messing with my mental health, especially during a pandemic. So yeah. uh, my good friend kind of helped me find a spot that was perfect in Hollywood, nine minutes from home, so luxurious. And wow. it kind of has been a perfect fit. And now we have a store. That's awesome. So incredible. do you make the candles in the store as well now? So you're not doing it in your apartment anymore? Mm-hmm. My, my, my place does not smell as good. I can tell you that. But uh, <laughs> it definitely covered up like the, the overall malaise of just living. Like when your house starts to smell because whatever, you didn't take out the trash. I had the benefit of having candles always cover all of that. And I have to work harder in my own home. But the mm. store smells divine. I'm sure. Do it, so what would you, what's your most popular scent? 
most popular is still Library Scriptorium. It's yeah. a blend of old wood and dust and old books. Uh, every time people open it, they're like, whoa, that actually smells like old books. Um, yeah. So that's a very popular one. I think people like using it to kind of focus and get a little bit more meditative. Um, but Coffee Shop is one that came out a couple of years ago, and it's quickly mm. kind of gunning for the first place. Uh-oh. I know. Well, we have we have Candlekeep Mysteries coming out yes. next month. So I'm thinking that the library candle is, I mean, uh, the obvious choice. I know. There, right? I know. I'm very excited. <laughs> Brinewater Tides was also an ocean one that worked out well when, when Salt Marsh happened. And I swear I'm not like stalking oh. D&D and being like, we're going to make them based on the books. But sometimes it lines up very nicely. But sometimes it does. So do you ever find yourself in places in the world and you just think... I need to make a candle. Often. It smells like this moment. Really, quite often. Um, L.A. does not have a very diverse scentscape. I will tell you that. <laughs> it's kind of all, it's all a little bit of like uh, dust and, and hot and sand. And, and and look, I love L.A. as much as the next. But uh, I was lit, uh, in London for a bit and I took mm-hmm. a lot of inspiration from that. Just how the streets always smell. There's always a sense of wetness. That led to developing Stone Moss Chapel, which is my favorite scent. But I long to travel when we can again. And just that's what I travel for, to kind of wander around and sniff stuff. Sevilla in Spain, I want to capture that smell as well. It always smells like orange blossoms at all times. So, yeah, I'm constantly sniffing. That's really cool. So how do you recreate some of those smells after you have them uh, kind of in in your palate? So... All candle makers kind of pull from a wide library of fragrances. So let's take bubblegum, for example. There's probably mm. 50 renditions of bubblegum fragrance. And so sometimes I'm shooting for a scent and I try to just break it down into, okay, how do I replicate this? Let's say uh, a forest, pine, soil, things like that. And so I pull from various resources and then it's just a mixing game of add a little bit more of this, take a little bit of that out. And that's the most fun part, kind of where you're in the chemistry process. But every now and then I just kind of play around and I create something that smells really good, but I don't know what to call it. And then it becomes this nice game of chasing what is this smell? What does it make me think of? What um, emotions does it evoke? So there's two two processes, either hitting the smell or finding the smell. Do you put the actual, like say, you know, orange blossoms that you were mentioning, with? So would you actually put orange blossoms in mm. the the mix or is it something that smells like that something that smells like that cantrip candles uses fragrance oils not necessarily essential oils some of our scents do have essential oils mixed in i personally have found that essential oils do well for aromatherapy or topical but they're not intended to combust so you can put mm. them in candles but i like using fragrance oils which are designed to be used in candles oh okay so it's not you know, it's not putting the actual Mm-mm. bit in and, and having I wish, it be, I wish that I'm like boiling leaves and stuff. I know, like, right? Yeah. But, but it's still at the end of the day, something that you're lighting on fire. So it's got to play nice. So you're basically a fire mage, not a, mm-hmm. uh, a apothecary. Okay. I right. definitely all... associate with evocation as a class far more than like druids, <laughs> you know? That's awesome. And so how do you uh, integrate it at the table? I mean, are you are you a, a dungeon master yourself? I am. I DM four campaigns and have only played one serious character, maybe one and a half, but I'm much more of a DM than a player. I miss playing, though. 
but yeah, you, I, I usually light it at the table beforehand about an hour before players came over and then they walk in. If it kind of sets the tone right off the bat. That is cool. So if, you, so you, if they're going to be going through uh, maybe a, a, a popular city, like if they're, if, they're mm-hmm. if the adventure is taking place in Waterdeep or something, like you would light a candle that's reminiscent of something more urban? Sure. Or like something? Uh, it, it, it depends a little bit. So that is the big conundrum. Like, what about the fire plane? How, how do we make it smell like the fire plane? Or what about a big city? And well, one city might be by a dock, one city might be more inland. And so I try to get a little bit more specific and maybe like, for example, we have a a scent that smells like a bakery. I think you could use a bakery Mm. in a city as well. It would still give that sort of like, oh, we're on a city street and I'm smelling some freshly baked bread. Um, Sometimes I combine, I'll light like the water one and then put that one out. And then an hour later, I'll light the bread one. And then it's kind of like this nice fade from one location to another. Um, but you got to give it some time to breathe. I think there's people out there that are like, I lit three candles last night at my game. And I'm like, okay, I doubt that that smelled amazing. But yeah, you got to <laughs> let them breathe little by little so that you can kind of enjoy them all individually. Some of them blend yeah. really nicely, though. That sounds yeah. like someone was trying to do like a remix of like, exactly. oh, if I take these four yeah, candles exactly. and I light them at different times. It'll smell <laughs> just like my dungeon does. Complete yeah. customization is available. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh, I love it. You had something on your um, the on your website under our story that I just I just love it, it just totally resonated with me when it said um, I'll just quote it because I'm looking right at it instead of trying to paraphrase. <laughs> he started playing tabletop games when the hustle of L.A. left him with little money but lots of friends. That's I love that. It's the that's truth. Such, that's such a great um, just I mean a testament to tabletop games. I got friends. You don't need you know. A lot of other resources just come mm-hmm. together, tell some stories, and and have fun. Friends are a very important part of the Cantrip Candle story. Uh, I mentioned how my friend helped me get this spot. My friends have been some of my first employees. My friends were the ones that were some of my first customers. I don't think any of this would have been possible without the really close-knit community that I have that's been supporting me and has grown into this awesome supporting community now. Yeah, definitely. Have you been playing tabletop games for long? I, I, when when was the the hustle of LA yeah. that left you with little money and probably lots of friends? About, I've probably been playing for about five or six years. Yeah, I okay. uh, oh. I I was a big Monopoly fan, and then you go to like high school and college, and you stop playing games for a bit, maybe, and then mm-hmm. kind of got back to LA, and I was like, all right, cool, game nights. Those are really fun now. Why don't we do this consistently? Yeah. And then D and D came along, and now addicted. <laughs> Yeah. So how how did Dean? Did you mention this, or I feel like oh. I've read a little bit about you, so maybe I already kind of you're, know the answer. But how did D and D? Sometimes I get confused. Like, did we talk about this, or is it my my research that I've done on you? How did D and D come along? The specific game of D and D, like yeah, for you, yeah, for me, for you, not yeah. um, in 1974. In 1974. <laughs> Uh, no, my good friend Dash, he, he's, he's a DM that's been playing for a while. He's, he's known D&D through and through. And he one day was like, hey, you want to play some D&D? And I, I had always honestly been a little bit critical of Dungeons & Dragons because I thought wrongfully that it was um, gave you rules on how to imagine. I thought D&D was closed and it was like, you have to play this way or this way or this way. Little did I know it offers instead guidance for you to imagine 
on a much wider scale. And once I realized like, wait, I can make up the story as I go. That's like how we're playing. It was incredibly freeing. And then I, I think honestly, D&D kind of helped scratch the itch that acting didn't necessarily. I want to be a storyteller more than a portrayal of characters, portrayer mm. of characters. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, I think a lot of performers out there, you know, I, you know, even on previous interviews where people are like, it's nice to take words that, mm-hmm. you know, writers created and transfer it into, your, into, into their performance. But there is something really great about improvising and yep. or making up those stories and then performing them, you know, and sometimes only writer directors or writer director stars are the only ones who can do that. But right. in D&D, you can do it in a, in a session mm-hmm. and you have that, you know, imagination to performance funnel uh, happening instantaneously. 100% agree. I enjoy it for that reason too. I don't get to perform very much, but uh, it is nice to be able to do it at least in front of a camera uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> right mm-hmm. now. Um, I am obsessed with the matchbooks. I so, think you. Obsessed. And if I didn't have a child, I would buy them all and I would leave <laughs> them all over my home just because they're so beautiful. I just want to look at them, but it's probably not a great idea. With Thank a you. Kid. Um, that was an idea that followed the candles. I said, okay, I need a little bit more products. What else can I have? And I thought, okay, matches. You need to light the candles. And so I have a series of matchbooks that are all themed after different schools of magic and they all look like spell books. So you have conjuration, illusions. They are so much fun to design. And the cool thing about them is once you design them, they kind of become this staple product. Like you just make more. And I have a new one coming out, an abjuration matchbook. And I finished the cover and shipped it off for printing. And I think it's the most pretty one. So I'm very excited. Oh, exciting. I'm going to have to get one of those. One of my players uh, is a a new relatively new D&D player when they chose Wizard and Abjuration as their school. That's, what I, that's really the next character I want to make, an Abjuration Wizard. And I'm so curious as to how it's going to play. Yeah, yeah. And the, I don't think he's, uh, you know, fully gone into the fun parts of it when you get to, like, the higher levels of mm-hmm. Dispel Magic and things like that. So he's, uh, I think, you know, having an artifact like that, like a matchbook, being able to, this is my school, you know, mm-hmm. might mm-hmm. Uh, might really help. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. I can see the matchbooks from like taverns too, because you know, like yeah. bars always and restaurants always had their own little matchbooks. But mm-hmm. I, I, I love the in worldness. The art is is gorgeous. Thank Who's you. doing the art for that? I am proud to say that all designs and stuff that you see are made by myself, unless really? they're uh, like promotional materials, which I'll of course credit the artist. But yeah, I do the lid art. I do the the matchbook designs. It's harder and harder to keep producing new things because my responsibilities have changed, and so. It's always enjoyable when I can just sit down for a day and draw a new lid or something like that. Oh, you are multi-talented. Yeah, I try, Shelly. I'm just trying. <laughs> You're doing good. Do you do custom work? I used to a lot more. Um, I have a couple custom projects that I work with, but we just don't have the wherewithal to take on too many. My hope for the company though, down the line as we hire more and grow a bit more is that yeah, we can start really getting cool with the customization and, and offering that kind of service to people who want it. Would you do custom work for like a, a new friend that you maybe met on a podcast? Are they named? <laughs> I mean, maybe. I might, I might. We would have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll talk after this. Oh, it's like I'll captive let, negotiations let, let here. Let her know, let her know. <laughs> 
but I mean, uh, you know, the growth of this business from, you know, like you said, just selling to friends and then being able to have online orders and then opening up your own store in this last year, um, you know, that's a huge, you know, growth pattern, right? And so how has it been? I mean, I, I, your, your background as being a, a performer uh, and a gamer might not have prepared you for running a small business, right? Uh, you hit the nail on the head. That is <laughs> a way to just expose my fears. No, that, that, that's, that's 100% what I wake up every morning and I have to kind of tell myself, you've been doing it well so far, keep going, because I don't have a background in business. And there's often moments where I have to Google, what the heck does that acronym mean? And figure it out <laughs> as we go. And if I can give any advice on to how to like learn as you go, you could just have to ask a ton of questions. You ask any friend that you think knows something about something and you say, what do you think about this? Like, what do you know about this? In terms of the business decisions, those heavy hitting moments of like, what lease are we signing or what copy printer are we working with? Those I've always based on how does the individual uh, kind of run their business. And if it feels like a friendship, it sounds like a good business partnership then as well. So I've enjoyed that there's a lot of honesty in running a business as opposed to like capitalism. Ha ha ha. It's all evil, but it's still out there. Yeah, that's for sure. And the parallels that I'm seeing in your story, you know, remind me a lot of reading of the history of the growth of, of Dungeons and Dragons and mm. small publishing companies, right? And how, you know, it basically was sold out of, uh, you know, Gary Gygax's car you know in the midwest <laughs> in the 70s and you know it kind of had that same kind of explosion of popularity and and how do we fulfill demand and then you know all of a sudden here we are 47 years later and it's still you know this amazing thing that is now uh uh producing you know great work and i think um there's a lot of smaller presses out there that are doing the same you know kind of situation that you are where it's like oh yeah people really like the stuff that we're doing how do we continue to do that and grow and uh uh, you know, make more fun stuff for people out there. And so yeah. it's it's paralleling a lot. The tabletop community is voracious supporters. Like, it's awesome. I, 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 in fact, feel beholden to have a great deal of gratitude and responsibility to, like, I don't want to let them down. There's so much fantastic support from the tabletop community that I really want to make sure to continue to produce top-tier products and stuff like that. Because they're awesome. Yeah. And here's a real kind of bringing it back to the playing of D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I ran a Dragon, uh, Dragon Heist, Waterdeep Dragon Heist campaign, and, the, and part of that has like, oh, you can run your own business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would that be fun for you now? <laughs> for sure. It, for sure. I mean, it's still, you, you know, it's a different <laughs> feel. Like when you're playing another character, I, I don't like money management, but a character 100% could. Mm. Um I think it would actually be more fun because there's no consequences. Like, what's the worst that happens if, <laughs> yeah. if, if your business tanks in water deep as opposed to in real life? <laughs> it would be a little riskier in your water deep business. Yes, yes, yes. Try some things out. Um, Can you? Uh, what? Oh, I'm, I'm getting an incoming Google Hangouts call. My bad. What were you going to say, Shelly? I don't know. I forgot <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was... So important. Maybe the best question that I've ever It'll asked. It'll come no, back. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It might have had something to do with figs. I don't know. Yum. Yeah. 
Are you going to make a scent that has figs in it? We already have one. has one. We have Sweet Fig Farmhouse. Sweet Fig Farmhouse. Which I can, I guess I should officially announce this at some point. The manufacturer of the oil has discontinued said oil. So it is, it is, it has a death rattle to it now. It's, it's not going to forever be here. And it's very sad. No, now we need another, uh, you know, fig oil manufacturer to pick up the slack. I know. Step up, fig Get oil in touch, please. <laughs> Come we on. Have, we have just created a quest, I think, for people out there. Like a big exclamation point just went over our heads. <laughs> Quests are, I'm so glad you mentioned quests because that is something I'm so excited to do in the storefront. I'm, I uh, really want to have there to be a sort of like quest system where if you come in, you buy a candle, you can just pull a little piece of a paper. You kind of like when it's like uh, art lessons and you grab a little piece of the paper. Yeah. I want to do that for our community. I think we kind of stopped doing stuff that's good for the community after we didn't have to do it in high school or whatever. Like you had to do community service hours. And so I'm trying to encourage us to do a little bit more of that. But I want to kind of encapsulate the idea of a quest. You you agree that you're going to do something. Within the next two weeks, you come back. And once you check in that you've done it, you get a candle or something like that. Oh, my God. I think That's it could be cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Like you're like treating your customers like adventurers. Yeah. And you are sending them off to go do something. Like what types of things are you thinking about for quests? I love right that. off the bat, I was thinking there are, we could clean up a park or something like that. I don't, yeah. but I think there are more direct ways of helping. And obviously I'd have to get in touch with organizations that are experts at that. But I'm sure there are some tangible ways that can help without, be it like donate a bag of food to this organization. But it doesn't always have to be monetary. I feel like there are ways of helping your community yeah. that doesn't have to be expensive cash. You can expend some time or some work some labor who knows yeah and if you even frame it around you know slaying the monster exactly of, of litter uh you know the litter <laughs> monster which is a big monster yeah. yes uh that i think that'd be cool very idea. cool and i would love to get a reward of a, a candle or yeah. anything like it's it, you know it's it's like it's your version of the the punch card mm-hmm. uh type yes. thing but instead of just having it oh come they back get and xp you get, you get xp of, or you get yeah. uh uh you know the the fact that you did something good for the community Totally. That's the real reward. I, I would bring. My I think kid that's in what there. actually matters, though. Like completely yeah. real talk. I think. I think yes, candles are all good and well, but we got to make sure that we're helping those around us as we grow. I love yes. that. Anyways, yeah. on that love- super sappy note, my apologies. No, I want. I the, the, my mind was turning because I know there's a lot of community in LA who love you know, LARPing and puzzles and it's some of the stuff that we've tried to incorporate in our live events uh, in the past. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you've got some, maybe people listening to this now, uh, potential partners to design something for you. So it's not just a, uh, you know, go do a task and come back, but mm-hmm. there's some gamification that happens that people have to work together to solve things, so it's not just s- single quests. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an actual community, like a little D and D party has to form. I'm so into that. I love that idea. I just cannot wait for COVID to be done because it opens up <laughs> so many opportunities. Right now, every every idea we throw out, it's like uh, maybe in a bit, maybe later, maybe soon. Yeah. But we're we're on the we're on the last little bits of it. I think. I hope. I hope. Yeah, I I'm with you. I hope um, feeling hopeful for sure. Mm-hmm, but you're mm-hmm. you know being in LA, you're obviously in an area that's been hit really really hard, and you've had it uh, harder than a lot of people have. So how has have you 
managed to keep your tabletop games going through throughout COVID? And how have you managed to do that? Everything has gone online. The amount of Zoom calls that we have and Roll20 app login yeah. hours is astronomical. And is it tedious at times? Yeah. I think any DM listening will admit that DMing online feels like running a whole nother system while still maintaining a story. And I get a little tired of that. And every now and then I have to be like, sorry that I uh, snapped guys. I'm so tired <laughs> of staring at a computer screen. But we've we've managed to stay tightly knit and and pretty closely bonded because we share this story throughout this entire time period. How do you, um, (laughs) have you been able to invent smell-o-vision yet? Not yet. (laughs) Through the Zoom's calls. (laughs) Like I'm burning this candle and it smells like the dungeon you're currently in. As of now, I I think most of my uh, players have various copies of various scents. So I could just be like, all right, everyone, light your gold bakery candle right now. Oh That's yeah, smart. that, that bakery candle. Honest, that would be a lot to be like give every one of your players a copy of the candle. But it'd be worth it, I think. It would be. It would be. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that bakery smell, man. I do. I remember I lived in Brooklyn for a long time, and mm-hmm. there was at least two or three bakeries that you know, walking home after the bars close, where you get that whiff yeah. of freshly baked bread. It's like it reminds me of that time period and, 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 you know, having that kind of communal feeling in a city. So they just got to add like slight cigarette and, and old alcohol smell. And then you've got a city street. Perfect. You've got it. Right. Yeah. Then you're like, that's Williamsburg for me. Yeah. I still really like the idea of like when you were saying like layering the different scents and like telling your story mm. that way. Yeah, memories, sense and memories. It really, it really, it really works. Mm-hmm. So, do you find that you know um, your players, if you're burning these as your, as a dungeon master, which I assume you were uh, when you were running in person, um, that memories are stronger, or that if if you smell a specific scent, where you're like, oh gosh, you remember that time when we you know defeated mm-hmm. that lich, uh, you know, and did that that cool thing? Is, is does it have that effect on play? I hope so. I, I, speaking personally, there's usually a candle going. So I, for me, th- this is all bled together into like candle, just generic candle scent. Um, but I, I, I hope and would be very honored if someone who's used a candle for the campaign, let's say it's Brian Water Tide for their Salt Marsh campaign. And when they get back in person and smell it again, if it kicks them right back into that place, I would be so happy. That's kind of the goal to kind of create these immersive spaces that are tangible and uh, believable and kind of help immerse. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can totally see that if someone, especially if it was, not, I, I get what you're saying. If, you, if you're burning candles all the time, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's just part it's of the like, ambience, part of the ritual of playing. But if it was like, we specifically got this and, and, and we've been using it for our campaign every time we play, I light it. Yeah. I would think that would imprint a cool memory for you. Yeah, or if like a specific NPC, mm-hmm. uh, when they showed up, you were always burning that candle. Like it would just mm-hmm. have that that kind of connection. I I love those those type of things that go beyond just the words that we say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you are there scents that um, maybe would evoke instead of like a specific location an an emotion? Like if you really wanted your players to literally smell fear. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> could you could you use candles in that sense? 
in that sense. No pun. I mean, they're just rolling it's off. It's just rolling off the tongue. <laughs> I love it. And how much are these? They're four dollars and fifty-five cents. Just no, I'm just, I was just trying to use a different sense uh, <laughs> word. <laughs> I was confused for a second. Um, he was like, Chris, I was like, no. No, 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 no they're not. Don't, they're, they're not how much they are. <laughs> um, I think so. I think I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of like a specific scent that would trigger a specific emotion, but I can think yeah. of like lavender would be relaxing mm-hmm. and, and vanilla yeah. might be comforting. I think it's a lot easier to touch on positive emotions than it would be yeah. negative. But I suppose that would depend on someone's experience, you know, like if they right, have, it would it would be subjective. If they grew up in a bad house and it had a strawberry field outside, strawberries might not be <laughs> right. like the best thing That's ever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm have... remembering. Go ahead, oh. No, I was just I'm thinking like when you say like the scent, how powerful it is. As something that that can take you back in with memories, because I had this scratch and sniff book as a child, and there was this one I don't even remember. I don't know what it is, but I loved that smell so much. And every now and again, I'll smell something that's like that smell, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't, I don't know what the smell was, or even what it was supposed to represent. It was a kid's book in the seventies. It probably wasn't that accurate of right. a of peanut butter or whatever, but. Every now and again, I'll smell it, and it just it takes me back, and it just makes me feel so warm and so cozy. And I just I can feel like the pillow that I used to sleep on mm-hmm. or Aww. lay down on, like when, while I had my scratch and sniff book next to me, or you know my teddy bears for it. I go I go straight back yeah. to that moment. I don't um, remember what the point of that was, other than I just no mem- this, had a memory a to the memories. <laughs> yeah, the power it of is, the memory. Yeah. I fully agree with that. For me, it's it's leather. Uh, whenever I smell leather, I go to my grandfather's basement, and I don't know why, oh, wow. but I just picture myself surrounded by his like war memorabilia, and and I can feel the temperature in the basement. But yeah, leather will put me in that place. Oh, that's really cool. There was yeah. a Berenstain Bears book that yes, had scratches. On on Maybe that was my book. Yeah, and there was a basil smell because they were making pizza or something, and that's one that I am always like, hmm, this smells like the Berenstain Bears book that I remember. <laughs> basil in a kid's book? Yeah, because it was, it was. I mean, maybe they just had that specific sense. They were trying to, you know, figure out how to do it. How but I remember funny. there being a mush picture of a mushroom, and the mushroom smell, like, wore off, mm, like, immediately. And so one. I don't really remember that. But the basil stuck around. And this was, like, hand-me-down because I, I had older siblings, so this was... A really old book that still That's had really the basil cute. scent attached to it. I'd just it's like strong. to point out that these are all incredibly specific memories that are triggered by scent. So that's, there you go. Scent the yeah. best. Best scent ever. Scent ever. It really is. <laughs> yes. So what about, you know, you mentioned that like negative emotions and how that's harder to to kind of create. But what about, uh, you know, so much of, of Dungeons and Dragons takes place in sewers and, right right, right. You know, disgusting places and and fighting undead monsters with puddles of pus uh right. you know so Damn. you might not want to buy a candle that smells bad <laughs> i ran into a lot of uh feedback early on in cantrip candles's brief lifetime i think it was around two years when i started doing a lot of conventions la comic con or con also in los angeles and I would get a lot of feedback like, oh, so it smells like a sewer. Oh, so it smells bad, like the dungeon one. And 
I kind of decided that I'm not going to make negative smelling candles because you can find those if you want. There are tons of gag candles that will do that. Like it'll smell like zombie guts or a fart or whatever it needs to. And I say, go for it. I just also warn you though, that you're sitting in that smell for several hours and, and the, the appeal of like, haha, it smells gross in here. will quickly wear off. And then you're just playing in a gross smelling space. But there are ways to layer in kind of unappealing scents. Uh, there's a pretty strong meaty smokiness to our den of thieves scent. And uh, it's supposed to kind of give you that feeling of you bust into a speakeasy and a bunch of eyes look at you and you kind of instantly know that I'm in a little bit of the wrong spot. And I think mm. that scent does a pretty effective job of doing that because that meatiness, that smokiness is a little off-putting, but still very, very enjoyable. Right. Yeah. Acquired taste, for sure. Acquired uh, taste. And luckily, if you play at my table, you don't have to recreate the smell of farts because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm already providing that. I've shared at many tables. <laughs> 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 That's what a dungeon uh, smells like. It's uh-huh. what it smells in here right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry we can't be with you. Boy, do I miss recording in the studio with you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> it brings back such... Positive memories. <laughs> it does. Oh, oh convention smell. Um, okay, we actually have a question that came from Twitter. Um, and it. I love this question. This is from Raven Teller. Uh, Tegan, I believe, is the, the person who wrote it. If you could make a candle for your favorite class, what is the class and what are the main scent notes? That's a good question. Okay. I think right now my favorite class is the Druid. As oh. much as I'm as much as I'm into the evocation magic, I've played a druid and I really enjoy him. So I think it would have a lot of notes of herbs and things of that nature. But if I could, well, I could. The as it burns, I would like it to get more and more earthy and woody. So it almost smells like a plant degrading over time until it's just soil at the very bottom. I think that oh. would smell awesome. I think you nailed it. You know, like I druids, was... they 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 live, they prosper, and then eventually they say, "We're going to go back to the dust, just like everyone else." Hmm. True. Neutral. I was going to just say like patchouli or something, but right? Like there's got to like be patchouli just... in there because there's got to be like a little <laughs> bit of a, a stoner vibe. There has to be. There just has to be. <laughs> Must. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like every one of my college roommates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'd like that. I love the, the, the idea of it, of the smell changing mm-hmm. the more that you, you burn it down. That's the chemistry part, I guess, that I'll never understand. Simple layering. You just kind of layer how you pour the candle, one oil oh, at wow. the bottom, change the Little, oils as you go up. Huh. Oh. Candle making is the perfect blend between super scientific and super artistic. And that's why I like it so much. There's so much wiggle room. You can adjust your formulas. You can adjust your temperatures. But at the end of the day, you still have to stick to the same basic rules. Mm-hmm. I love that. Would you ever do a class? I find that there are some awesome competing companies that often will do candles for classes. And I've decided that I will leave that to others because I don't think a class can be necessarily stereotyped or quantified in a single scent. My Druid interpretation will not be the same as someone else's Druid interpretation. However, as a society, we kind of have an idea of like, yes, 
place, a bakery smells like this, a tavern smells like this. So I find that going for the environment is easier to get a more accurate scent. Yeah, and yeah. A, cla- a class isn't necessarily indicative of what's happening in yeah. the fantasy. Right? right, if there, if there's uh, like a ranger candle might be great for an individual, but if you're using it at the table, then you got five players being like, no, you burn my candle today. Or, I want a claret candle today. Right. <laughs> Do you ever find when you're DMing that your your storytelling is like, oh, I need to make a candle that smells like this, or vice versa? We're like, hey, I just made this candle, so I'm going to make this campaign go to this library because oh, yeah. this this library scent is super hot right now. It it 100 percent used to mostly because I had to try out these scents. I was like, guys, I need I need to see if these are good. So the campaign would like. When we went into a bakery, it was the weirdest session ever because my campaigns are super anxiety driven. They're they're like high stakes. The gods are falling, that kind of nonsense. And so <laughs> like to have them like wander into a bakery and the guy being like, hi, can I get you some muffins was super <laughs> different, but it was uh, a nice way of testing it out. I don't have as much time to make new sense now. And so that's always been frustrating, but as I do make new ones, for sure, we're going to go to that location in the campaign because you got to see how it works out. Right. It's like playtesting. You got exactly. to test it out. How long, what, what is the, the time frame for creating a new scent? Like how long does it take you to smell test? Uh, it's different for every scent. Brinewater Tides took me eight months to make and not wow. because it was particularly hard. I just kept going to Santa Monica Pier and huffing ocean air and not <laughs> being able to match it. And it was the perfectionist side of me was driving me nuts. And so finally I said, just launch it. It's as close as you're going to be able to get to ocean. Barring like it? putting a fish at the bottom of the candle. And Ooh, see. No, that's <laughs> a great idea. It's a terrible Surprise. idea. <laughs> Here's your can of sardines you get to eat at the end. But usually it can. Uh, so I'm, I'm working on four different smells. They're not all going to come out at the same time, but I, I want to start having them in the barrel ready to go. And it can be as simple as a couple of weeks and you kind of just toy with it. You, you get the fragrances, you pour it, you see how it cures, you light it, you see how it fills the room. And then you make adjustments and it can be sometimes pretty easy or a little bit more tedious. Yeah, it seems like there's the push-pull of where you are right now of like, hey, we were this this indie craft type thing and now it's like, okay, now we need to figure out how to make these things profitably going yeah. forward. And so designing new scents is probably the most expensive part of the deal. Yeah. And, and admittedly, the amount of variables that go into it are far more complicated than when it was before. When it was just me trying to explore scent, it was a lot. I didn't have to think of the overhead as much. Are we going to be able to source this much oil? Is that candle company supplier going to be bankrupt at the end of this month? Because the last year has been the wild west of, yeah. of products and supplies. Like, I am calling my suppliers being like, I need 50 boxes of this and I need it now. And they're like, we've got 10 other companies that are asking for it. But <laughs> it's it's chaos in the candle world right now. I think any candle maker listening will be like, agreed, it's chaos right now. That's <laughs> I love that it's the candle industry too. <laughs> I know. There's a national <laughs> wick shortage. Like, what's that? Where's all the wicks? Is this because people are like, turning to crafting mm-hmm. during quarantine mm-hmm. and they're just trying to find new oh, side hustles. And the, but there's, a, there's at least three John Wick movies, though. You should <laughs> there. For sure. <laughs> the, the home fragrance industry apparently had like this astronomical boom in the last year because everyone's at home and they want to make their spaces yeah. sacred and smell good. And 
As a result, mm-hmm. a lot of people are making candles and I love it. I'm When the water rises, we all rise together. That being said, it has been a challenge to kind of maintain the momentum while still not yeah. being able to get the resources that I'm used to. But it's getting better as the world is slowly getting better. It reminds me of, um, you know, a couple of people I know were in the uh, the craft beer business who mm-hmm. have been like, oh, you know, it's fun to come up with these beers and they're popular and you hit, get a hit. And you start making that and then having that idea of like, well, I mean, the fun was making that beer, yes. not, uh, you know, creating that beer for the first time, not mass marketing that yes. beer to to people. And so I, I, I get this pull, push and pull of artistry versus profitability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're at the nexus of that. Yeah, I, again, Greg, nail on the head. Really just, <laughs> I love it. And. I would say opening the store was a nice threshold because I was constantly fearful of like, is this the right direction? As of yesterday, when we opened, there was this immense piece of like, okay, cool. You hit a mile marker. You can continue to steer this in a direction that you want to. But it's scary when when you don't have the business background and you kind of are, are figuring it out as you go. Yeah, and, I've, and like I said, I've seen it happen you know, all over the world, but especially in the DRPG Area because like people are making dice and doing that mm-hmm. same thing and people are are uh, uh, you know uh, coming up with different you know software solutions for things or products and, to add to the game yeah yeah and it's exciting because you're like oh I'm getting into this this uh, amazing world but there's so much real world stuff that that uh, you know kind of puts up obstacles and I think you're doing a great job of being like okay here's here's the milestones that I can give myself attaboys for 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 getting yeah. and then you know making sure to keep and then back uh, to the trenches. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, you're giving hope to theater majors everywhere. That's, hey, that's, that's a big compliment. Thank you, Shelley. As a, you're speaking as a former theater major. Look, theater, if you don't go into acting, it still is going to help because set design, working mm-hmm. with people, a theater mm-hmm. background is going to give you so many magical skills in whatever field you go into because it's so versatile. And you don't even realize that you're agree. learning those things. Mm-hmm. The whole storefront, like the entire design of it. Uh, some awesome customers came in yesterday and said, it's beautiful in here. Who, who did you have design? And I said, I just kind of took what I know in terms of colors and lighting and placement. And, and that's all from stage design and, and stuff like that. So go theater degrees. Yeah. Yeah. And you Especially can general public ones. speaking is mm-hmm. not a big deal. Yeah. Which, you know, for a lot of people, they can't do it. Yeah. 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 So there you go, theater all the way. Um, are there any D&D settings that you think would be really fun to explore from a the scent perspective? The like, are you? Oh, Ooh, I want to make a Feywild candle so bad. And I want it to be, we, we, we talked about how scent can be so affecting with memory, but also in the current. And I want to make a cool candle that encapsulates the way that I interpret the Feywild to make the average human feel. Obviously, I'm not trying to have anyone get lightheaded or loopy or fall asleep, but I definitely want it to be this undescribable scent that you just cannot get enough of because that's how I picture the Feywild, just constantly enchanting you. Oh, that's cool. Mm, I like that. You mean like a caterp- um, the caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. kind oh, of? Oh, now you're speaking my language. Yeah, like that kind of vibe. A, a super groovy kind of Feywild vibe. Oh, I like that. I think a lot of people will. Mm. Will. He said will. 
in the when future. When it happens, I, it's not like okay. I've got the secret candle back here. <laughs> <laughs> what this is, is that back there, by the way? I keep looking at that statue. This uh, statue? Yeah. This is like, this is like my mascot. It is a, a mm-hmm. dragon that's like in a zen yeah. pose. And I think it's a good reminder to breathe whenever things are getting Unless you breathe fire, then be careful. Rock it. Breathe Breathe that fire. (laughs) When you got to, you got to. You got to. So if someone wanted to, uh, you know, jump in and get one of these candles uh, and integrate it into their game, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously in pandemic, it's like we said, it's tough. But, you know, what do you think is the best way to do that that doesn't feel like... Uh, I don't know, over the top or ostentatious. Like what's the best way to kind of just, you know, integrate this into the sure. normal play? Yeah. Um, I, I always recommend uh, letting your players know, because if your players have any sort of like scent allergies or something, just let them know that you're going to oh, light that's a important. Big deal is lighting it an hour beforehand. You could light it as you play, but if you really want to kind of fast forward that immersion, uh, light it an hour beforehand, it'll fill the room and it kind of gets your players in that headspace a lot quicker. For now, it's a little tricky to get your hands on one only because uh, we're still working on keeping up with demand. It's just a good problem to have. But in the coming days, as, as we up production, it should be pretty simple to just kind of buy one, light it for your players, and, and see where it takes you. It kind of does all the work on its own. You just light it and let it go. What if the players don't go to the bakery? That you're... That you're- <laughs> Lighting the candle. Well, that before. question applies to like, what if I planned a three-hour boss battle and they don't go to the boss battle? Like, it's yes. the same kind of like. Well, then, then you got a cool candle. <laughs> no, then this is what I've learned in my studies about dungeon mastering. If they don't go to the bakery, then you create an NPC that Make brings go baked to goods to them. Bob yeah. the baker like, who yes. brings the bakery. Open the box. I mm-hmm. brought you some fresh baked bread or something. Ooh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Here's my donuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why did when you say that it sounds dirty? It did. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't gonna say it because I'm not a host here, but it did sound dirty. I didn't it's mean my it donut. that way. Can you make even a even scent of that loud? I'm like, Oosh, that's a little bit dirty. It didn't. Well, it was a bit. What, would, what are the notes of Greg's donuts? I don't want to talk about Greg's donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure uh, they smell great. Greg. They're very delicious. <laughs> I said smell, you said delicious. I said smell. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. um, there is a lot of challenges, you know, uh, ahead with, um, you know, opening the store and, and, and having all that. But I really like that the idea that, like, you know, you have a place to, to make it like a laboratory. Do you ever get that sense that you're, oh, yeah. you are a mage, you are like experimenting with stuff? I've always associated candle making with like Snape's. Professor, like Professor Snape's, like chemistry laboratory, like yeah, one hundred percent. There's lab feel, and I want to make it more so. I'm still new to the building, so but this office will one day look totally like decked out, like an alchemical lab, because I think that's cool. Yeah, and you have that set design background, and I got that set design background. Can I ask you a random question, please? Something that I learned from again from your website. Um, are birds not, if you have a pet bird, are you not supposed to have scents around the bird? <laughs> I know it's a random you question. I don't even have <laughs> my website so well, and I haven't updated oh, I it in a while. But I learned that birds have very unique respiratory systems. I guess all animals have different respiratory systems compared to humans, for example. 
Um, but because they're so fragile, uh, it's very important that they don't breathe in pollutants. And yes, we use good ingredients that are safe to use for your family and whatnot, but for birds, it's uh, frowned upon. So it is official response of candles to if you have a bird, uh, resist using any sort of like scent modifiers for your home. Wow. As far as I have researched, I am not a vet. Okay. I guess that's, you know, the canary in the coal mine uh, kind of situation, right? That's what you get a new cancer candles. Your canary just goes down and you go, oh, no, this is not a good decision. (laughs) That's terrible. That's, I mean, that is, that was why they brought them into coal mines was to be like, oh, they were, there's some bad air and they weren't, you know, it it wasn't detectable by humans, especially since they were there all the time. But if, if the canary was, was somehow affected, they were like, all right, now it's time to get out. There's a, there's a gas leak in here moment of silence for all those canaries that I know <laughs> pour one out for, the, for us dang humans you know I'm it's true but it's these true. um cantrip candles are vegan and like you said they're all made with really high quality ingredients yeah they're made with soy uh 100% soy candles and uh fragrance oils sometimes blended with essential oils uh I make sure to go through the ingredients on everything I work with because I'm breathing it in the most every time I stir a big cauldron of wax. So they're safe to use. Um, I use soy because it's a little bit more sustainable than perhaps paraffin, but I try not to rag on other candle types. Do what works best for you. Do you really make it in a big cauldron like that? You know it. You know it. We got a big tank. It's actually kind of frustrating. We had uh, three tanks and one of them busted a couple days ago. So add more struggles but uh we're gonna get two more huge way bigger tanks and it's gonna start looking like a brewery back here i think yeah i did not realize that's how that candles were made in actual cauldrons i wish i would it's like a or looks like a coffee dispenser tank but much larger okay but i wish i had like a a cauldron with like a fire underneath and just stirring that'd be so awesome nice yeah, you don't hear about like hags or witches talking about their cauldrons breaking very often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they're like, oh man, this cauldron is, you know, we need to get it busted. It the ironmonger to bring us a new one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so, uh, you know, final kind of bit I want to talk about are your campaigns because the way you've been describing them kind of tangentially yeah. uh, actually sound really interesting. They're like the whole like, you know, gods uh, mm. destroying and all that stuff. So, yeah, uh, pick one of them and uh, you know, kind of describe the overarching themes because they sound really cool. My home, I've got two games that I've been playing for a really long time. And in one of them, they're in a world called Shelligan, which is basically Scotland and Ireland mixed together. Mm. Uh, they started out as young students at a, an adventuring school of sorts, and they've leveled, I think they're 14 or 15. So we're getting there. Oh, wow. Yeah. But mm. currently they are dealing with the god Gond, which I believe is a forgotten realms god, kind of like this engineering aficionado. And I've interpreted as the phalanx in X-Men, if you remember that reference. So there's this deity. The phalanx is whatever it touches, it kind of corrupted and it was a digital entity. So I've got this medieval world where there's this god that's kind of introducing rapid growth technology and it's helping improve the farmlands and it's helping improve the city, but the players are beginning to realize like everyone's talking different here because they're all part of this hive mind under the, the worship of Gond. Mm. And now they've taken a vacation in the Feywild because things were getting so stressful that they're like, let's just go somewhere else where time works differently. We'll level up a bit and we'll come back and kill this god. <laughs> 
So that's, that, that's how it goes. <laughs> that's super cool. I like that idea yeah. of a ever-present God who's like trying to do good, but is actually corrupting and and like it's he's i'm interpreting him as not he wouldn't have value in any where they wouldn't have any value in what humanity kind of boasts like those are inefficient so this is a god of efficiency and mechanisms and he basically wants everyone to think the same way and be the borg i was just gonna say this very borg like it's very borgy and i didn't again homebrew campaigns you never can plan them totally but apparently this is a cool plot line and so we're going with it nice well resistance is futile Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome I want to play in that campaign well, I do too next time you guys are in LA come visit the store and we can definitely have a little one shot definitely we are definitely visiting the store and so we are going a on a quest yes. sounds good, <laughs> Me and sounds good. we will be in the park cleaning up litter I think you'll feel good after doing it too I know I will, <laughs> I will. yes I, I, am, I, am, I am here for it awesome I, well I love everything uh, about what you're doing, Christoph? I think this all is fantastic. I want uh, more scented candles in my life in general, and I think having ones that are themed for, you know, specific areas within uh, fantasy storytelling is super cool. And you know, congratulations to you for opening your store this week. Yes, very thank excited. You. Thank you, and and thank you for having me on. This is I will I will totally gush and say this is a dream checkmark. I mean, to be talk to the entity of Dungeons and Dragons and to talk to you too is such a flattering, humbling experience. So thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you. feel the same about talking to you. I know, well, right? Cool people meeting cool people. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you find a new fig oil supplier too because that one sounded really It's a nice. good one. It's a good one. I love it. Well, thank you. And where uh, can we send people if they want to find out more uh, and, you know, get on lists for, for you know, when, when more candles are ready? Sure. Uh, if you, like Shelly, would like to research more about Cantrip Candles, you can go to <laughs> www.cantripcandles.com. Uh, you can website. also visit our store at in Hollywood. The address is on the website. The next, op- when is this airing? Do we know? Uh, next week, I think. Okay, so the, no, they're not going to know about the pre-order. There's a pre-order opportunity on the 22nd. But every two weeks or so, we usually restock our website. That's awesome. All right. I can't wait uh, for more burning things. <laughs> Here's to more burning. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely check out those matchbooks because they are awesome. Yeah, and I think, I think they're totally safe to have around the house with... with. Right. With Quinn, right? With Quinn. Well, they're safety matches, so it requires you to intentionally light them. But kids will intentionally light matches sometimes, oh, so yeah. always That's be just, cautious. He, accept, he accepts that challenge. <laughs> 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 Got to learn them early. That's perfect. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank yep. you so much, Christoph. This is awesome. Thank you. Yes. What a fantastic and exciting interview uh, with Christoph. I enjoy hearing like people's success stories, right? I love it. And I can't believe that we got to talk to Christoph the day after his very first, probably first of many, stores opened. That is such an accomplishment. It is. Uh, so kudos to all the work that uh, he's done as well as uh, the community for supporting all of the stuff that uh, that he's doing. Um, and it's such a cool idea and I want more mm-hmm. folks to, to, to be inspired and, and, and make cool stuff in the TRPG space. Yes, and again, the re- reiterating what he said about the community, the D&D community showed up 
and the amount of support and how he doesn't want to disappoint the community. I just look at look at that love. Yeah. Lifting you up. I want to go on a quest to lift Again. people up. Me too. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so that is this episode of Dragon Talk. You can follow me. I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter, Greg underscore Tito on the Insta. And I am Shelly Moo on the Twitter and the, the Instagram. You can, of course, find out everything you want to know about D&D at DungeonsAndDragons.com. But I encourage you to download the Dragon Plus app to your phone. There's a new issue coming out as we speak, which has got tons of information about uh, Candlekeep Mysteries as well as Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. And there will be even more information on that to come and it gets delivered to you bi-monthly. It's super awesome. Uh, so get out Dra- Dragon Plus if you can. Uh, that content you can also check out at dragonmag.com. And uh, I want to give some more shout-outs to WizKids. I wanted to mention this before, uh, but they are creating the Boneyard Icons of the Realms line of miniatures, including... Uh, you know, uh, orc skeletons and kobold skeletons and uh, draco liches, some amazing stuff. It's not necessarily themed for Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, but there's enough horrible, oh. horrific monsters within it that you can certainly use it to inject horror into your game, and I think there's some really great synergies there. Uh, so check that out at dndmini.com. Um, but of course, love to order and or buy those from your local game store or whatever possible. You love that set. I do. I really do. You really, I can feel the love and you keep posting about it. There's some really gross things. Yeah, Yeah. I know. And I like just taking pictures. Uh, It's it's been new, kind of relaxing uh, break that I get to take while, you know, I mean, everybody's in Zoom land or doing lots of stuff while working, uh, sitting at a table. But it's something I get to do and stand up and feel a little creative for a moment. So I hope you're enjoying it. I've been trying to post them both on Instagram and Twitter, so... Check out those uh, if you're interested. Uh, more pictures to come because there's a lot of cool minis. Yes. All right, let us turn to what's happening with Drunky Two Shoes. Yeah. Reunited with Daryl. Uh, in the last little session, you were able to convince um, the now captain of this small boat to drop you off on a small cove about 15 miles south of Waterdeep. Yep. Um, there was a lot of insight rolls and persuasion checks, but you were able to uh, get him to agree to at least do that. And uh, we'll pick it back up with the ship, uh, or the small boat, rather, um, now uh, kind of making its way slowly to shore. And um, the, you know, the keel kind of just goes up a little bit on the soft sand of the beach. And uh, he says, yeah. well, this is where I leave you. I can't thank you enough for your help. You've reunited me with my brother. I've been searching for him for four years. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have helped. I have to admit I felt I had a connection to you when we first met. Um, there's something about you that yeah. drew me uh, to want to help, and I'm glad I was able to have at least a small part in your story. You did. Maybe, maybe we'll meet again. Maybe. Who knows? Time will tell. I don't really know how people meet again in these times without cell phones and Facebook. 
but <laughs> I, as with many of the things you say, I don't understand. Uh, but it doesn't. matter. I get visions sometimes. I get visions of the future. But I, don't I know what I'm saying either. I have to say, at least uh, you know you were able to, uh, to help me get rid of that jerk uh, who was trying to take this boat. Yeah. In dangerous waters. Uh, and so, hey, I guess I got something too. We both got what we wanted. Goodbye, Goodbye drunkie. Captain. <laughs> all right, Daryl, let's go. It's a water deep. Uh, all right, yeah. And so uh, the uh, Captain uh, Salomar uh, pushes off uh, the small craft uh, into the water, and you see him kind of raising his hand in salute. And you and Daryl are standing on a beach. You were uh, dressed uh, for uh, overland travel, I guess. Uh, You've got your packs and your your weapons uh, all unslung and ready to go. Um, The sun is shining. It is about noontime. And uh, you see in the distance the the ship now uh, leaving you. Time. Behind well, you, there is, you know, kind of uh, a rise of um, hills uh, behind you. Uh, the You can't really see the city of Waterdeep, but you know it's, you know, to the north around, uh, um, you know, on the other side of these uh, this little ridge of mountains. Um, and you feel that, you know, you'd be able to walk there, you know, by the end of the day if you wanted to go there or if you want to go somewhere else. I think we want to go to Waterdeep. So let's start... Let's start heading north. Daryl says, um, all right, uh, we should be able to make a good time. Let's go, Daryl. Stay right. close to me. Last time we were walking around in unfamiliar territory, we were separated. Hopefully we're not, not attacked by a Tyrannosaurus Rex uh, spewing zombies out of its mouth. Unlikely, but I hope as well. That feels like so three years ago. Weird. So, you know, you're kind of strolling up the hill uh, and you uh, see a footpath that kind of uh, will eventually meet up with a larger road and you see, you know, uh, a fair bit of traffic heading that way. It's a little idyllic uh, looking, you know, lots of trees, lots of greenery, um, you know, birds kind of circling in the air, a you know, beautiful blue and, and white cloudy sky, and uh, you get your first glimpse of uh, the city of Waterdeep, and it is very large. Uh, it, it, once you kind of see it, it just seems to take over um, a, a large uh, part of the land before you. Has Drunky been to Waterdeep before? I don't know. Has Drunky okay. been to Waterdeep before? What do you think? No. I don't think she has. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, I, what is the plan for tonight, Daryl? Do we have a place to stay? Do we need to find lodging? Do we, are we going to see somebody? Well, I trust you have some coin. Well, I mean, I have a little bit, but do you? I do not. I was being held prisoner. They took everything. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, they would have taken <laughs> oh, Okay, but do you have any connections here that can help us, that could maybe host us for a night or two? I do. I have my contacts. Um, hopefully they are uh, at the tavern. Okay, well, maybe we should try to save what little money we do have 
And if we could stay with those people, that would be great. I believe they are in the dock ward. Okay. So that's where we'll head. All right. You, uh, you start making your way uh, there and you're uh, traveling along. Um, and you see a, a farmer who is on a you know cart that's got um, what looks like several bushels of carrots. Uh, mm. And uh, he's traveling with a uh, kind of a small uh, child uh, uh, on, on what looks like a small child on uh, sitting beside him. Uh, and he says, Hail! Don't see two of you cat people here very often. Uh, you don't? Huh. I see them all the time. Are you planning to walk all the way to Waterdeep? How do you know we're going to Waterdeep? Well, you're traveling on the road, uh, going in that direction while conversing with each other. Yeah, uh, I guess we were planning on it. Do you know a better way? Uh, well, uh, walking can take longer than riding, I always say. Are you Daddy? offering us a ride? You hear a small voice that says, uh, Daddy, you never say that. What are you talking about? Mm, yeah. Thank you. We need the exercise. Thank you. Suit yourself. Uh, and he goes, yeah. And, uh, you know, the uh, mule that was uh, dragging the cart uh, continues forward. I'm sorry, Daryl. I don't trust that person. Interesting. Felt weird. Did you get a weird vibe from him? I didn't. I didn't even get a chance to roll an insight check. <laughs> 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 but now that you mention it, he did seem a bit insistent. Is it too late to do an insight check? You can if you want. Maybe as he's 13. going away, you see him kind yeah. of, uh, you know, kind of leaning over and talking to his daughter. Go ahead. What'd you get? Thirteen. Thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, you, as it's as, as it's going away, you kind of notice that the um, barrels in the back, uh, the bushels of, of carrots. Um, really seem aligned almost uh, artistically in the barrels. And you get a sense with an 18 that they might be trying to hide something in the back of the yeah. cart. Mm-hmm. I tell Daryl that. Suspicious. You see the way those carrots are arranged? They, mm. Too artful. I too precise. You have a keen eye, drunkie. Well, something that is... Yes, you didn't used to notice such things, uh, if I remember. Well, I've been on my own for the last three years trying to find you. I've had to. I've had to develop my street smarts. Mm. Perhaps I'm literless. It's time for a new nickname for you. Perhaps we could go to a tavern. <laughs> and I could live up to my name. Well, that almost feels like it would be old times again. Let's go, Daryl. We're almost there. Keep going. All right. You guys make your way, uh, and uh, we'll pick it up in Waterdeep. Okay. We shall see what happens. I don't trust these carrot farmers. Dang carrot farmers. Carrot farmers.